people out there in podcast land my name is paul work i'm zach mccoy and it is your boy trav and we are your oscar grouches welcome back to the oscar Worthy podcast a thursday show third not thursday uh <laughs> acting direct i just got on a roll there bro the uh, seriousness in your eyes too when you were saying it you was dead in on this <laughs> The problem is I don't have this one written down, but we are doing acting direct, not Thursday. This is a show where we take a look at the filmographies of Oscar-winning actors who took their turns behind the camera. And what are we watching this week? Well, we just finished George Clooney. Before diving into another lengthier one, we decided to go back to 1955. Charles Lawton, Academy Award winner for, was it uh, the movie we watched? We covered it on the podcast. No. No. Oh, he did not win for Mutiny on the Bounty. Oh, he, he won did. For, he won in 1933 for The Private Life of Henry VIII. Oh. That wow. movie sounds boring. <laughs> but he was nominated for Mutiny on the Bounty, Bounty wasn't he? Yes, yeah, so he was nominated for that. And he was also nominated for Witness for the Prosecution. Amazing. Fucking rules. <laughs> yes, I love that movie. I watched it because of the podcast again. So thank you again, Paul, for everything. Anyway, we're watching Night of the Hunter. From 1955. It's a surrealist small town nightmare of innocent versus evil. And this is everybody's first time watching Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Actually, no. It's my no second. Me? Thanks. You remember when you watched it? Yep. I watched it a little less than two years ago when we got to 1955 on the main series. Oh. That's like, this is on a list of movies I hadn't seen, so I watched it. Uh, How about you? As for me, I had seen the film Do the Right Thing. Oh, one mm-hmm. of my top 10 favorite films of all time. Uh, and Spike Lee took inspiration for this film for the character of Radio Rahim. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, when I found that out, I was like, oh, I have to go watch that film. And I did. Yep. So that's that. That's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go ahead and skip over the Oscar breakdown because unfortunately this did not get nominated for anything. So what let's, happens? Talk about, let's talk about this movie. Well, I was reading a lot of the about the movie going in about how this was pretty much a fail, a flop. At some point, it becomes revered. I don't know. It's weird when a movie fails and then years later becomes like revered. I know there's more. I just can't think of any since I'm actually bringing it up. Uh, let's try for starters, since we're just coming out of the Christmas season. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Didn't uh, that end his directing career? It, uh, it didn't end his career, but it pretty much it pretty much ruined his career. His reputation was yeah, like financially too, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it, he he started a production company to make that movie that <laughs> disappeared. He pretty much didn't direct like a big mainstream blockbuster after that. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Frank Capra just went into disrepair as a human being as well, and Shit. then years and years later, the movie fell into public domain and then got. Because it was free to show on TV, everyone went, well, let's show this Christmas movie on TV. And an entire generation went, fuck, that movie rules. Yeah, crazy. And now it's in like the AFI top 10 films of all time. It's 
Mm-hmm. What but do you do? I saw that they said this is the second best film of all time behind Citizen Kane. Who said that? Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, see. Wikipedia. Uh, Cash- Cashier du Cinema, a French <laughs> film magazine. <laughs> Ka- Ka- okay, I don't. I don't speak French. I'm sorry, especially to any of our Canadian listeners who just heard me butcher whatever that word is. We we apologize then, to the Quebec fans. We <laughs> we we love you in Canada. We cannot mm-hmm. wait to. Uh, Watch some ice hockey and eat some poutine with you. Yes, and they'll they'll uh, say poutine. They'll, apo- <laughs> they'll apologize for you feeling bad. So, yeah, yeah, <sighs> but yeah, God, just kind of crazy that uh, you know. I what did this fall into public domain and got hot too, or when did this become hot? <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah this this wasn't well reviewed when it came out, uh, and essentially, I I think it did benefit from a lot of. TV spinning, but it didn't fall into public domain. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny that you kind of made the the faux pas with the Thursaysi because it was uh, a movie that was discovered by one young Martin Scorsese, mm-hmm. and I don't know if he had any role in talking it up to people, but it, uh, he may have. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Sorry, I just read that this the the, the premiere of Night of the Hunter took place in Des Moines, Iowa. That's so <laughs> weird. No wonder why as, it failed. As a special event to raise money for YMCA and the producer's hometown. <laughs> so funny. Mm. Especially yeah. since the, the YMCA. I, I look at it, though, and I'm like, six. they spent 600000 on the movie itself, which is about $6.6 million in today's money. Mm-hmm. Pretty man, I sometimes when I look at the budgets of old movies, I'm just like, how and where? <laughs> I just don't. I don't know if it's from set building if that takes up a lot of the money, but you know, I just I don't say where six million dollars was spent on this film. I mean, I mean that's of, a pretty low budget movie for today. If you, yeah, a lot of lot of sets like that whole town is a set. Ooh. And and then on top of it, you got a lot of uh, studio shooting. Hmm. It's, that kind of money is really easy to spend. Uh, I don't you, know how they did that underwater scene. Uh, oh, yeah. And that. Oh, my God. What a shot. You know. <laughs> it's so funny because y'all are just going to sit here and gush about this movie. Well, and we are because this movie, Trav, is a masterpiece. <laughs> oh, Lord. This movie. Okay. So... When I when I first sat down to watch this movie, I I try to, and I understand that if people don't, if they just try to sit down and watch a movie to enjoy it from a modern perspective or whatever. But I I try to like transport myself back in time to think about what existed before this movie came out and be mm-hmm. like, what what was this movie when it was made? Because what this this is a movie released? Uh, was it? Um, it would have been. Had to be like screened by the the Hayes Code, wouldn't it? Yeah, this was this is like the height of the Hayes Code. We're we're like deeply entrenched in the Hayes Code at this point. So for something to have this kind of killing, I mean, there's not anything really that's on screen, but even just to be talking about this subject matter and for it to have such a critical um, look at false prophets and and religious speaking people. Yeah, and, and the emptiness of a lot of religious people because, you know, that 
town turns into a mob at the end of this movie. <laughs> yeah. So for that for that to come out in the fifties, it, it's almost mind blowing, and I it's no wonder it wasn't received well because it, people were like, "What the hell is this?" And yeah, I mean, and, it's dark and it's filmed a lot of weird and interesting so, angles. So much, yeah. There's so much expressionism in this, and Lawton cares so much about shadows. He's he's a theater guy, so he's really into lighting. Yeah. Uh, and that's where most of his directing came before this was in the theater. Mm-hmm. And Stanley Cortez, who also worked on uh, Orson Welles' The Magnificent Ambersons, uh, was really impressed with how much he cared about the lighting and said that among the two directors that he respected the most were Lawton and Wells because of how their theater background informed how they shot movies. Hmm. Now, um, there's there's uh, some you said, Paul, that it's a masterpiece. I call mm-hmm. it a flawed masterpiece because there are technical issues, and a lo- I don't I don't fault it too much because of again because of the time it was released. But there's some weird weird editing moments, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, I know he watched a lot of silent film and like monster movies kind of up coming up to it, and you can see that influence in there, but. Uh, for as smooth and beautiful as most of the movie is, some of the edits are weird. And I wonder if that's just maybe lost film or something like there's a scene where the kids lock them down in the, in the basement and then they come out and it's just like a still photo of them outside. That's that's like the most noticeable one for sure. (laughs) When he's like running, chasing them up the steps. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely a bad edit for sure. And and then there's the ending scene when he, (laughs) When he's screaming, and, I, and they use the same scream over and over again, I'm like, "What is going on there?" I don't know if that's part of the surrealism, like if that's a very intentional choice. But it, I, I started like laughing, and I don't think I'm supposed to be laughing at that point. I don't know. <laughs> but I think um, Robert Mitchum is excellent. Oh God, he's so good in this. Even if you know, there's some goofiness at times, but I mean, it's all part of him playing a psychopath. I think. Uh- and it was one of those things where they really played up his goofiness so that it made more sense when the children like could best him. Yeah. Uh, because they're like, if he's so maniacal and too put together, then the audience is going to have a hard time like believing children could outsmart him. I still yeah. had a hard time believing it. I, it's funny to me because this storyline, when like I'm coming up as a kid, is a comedy. It's a flat-out comedy. Of kids like outrunning three ninjas or something. adults like this, you know what I mean? Um, right. <laughs> dude, there's just the scene when he goes to the house to go and get the kids back, and mm-hmm. he chases homeboy like under the, the steps. Steps, yeah. And like she brings the shotgun on him, dude. Honestly, I just don't find an appreciation for this film. Like, I think I'm too disconnected with modern film. I've seen too much to go back on this film and watch it and appreciate it. Cause I laughed the whole movie. Like you talking <laughs> about you laughed at the end. I literally laughed the whole movie, which typically I would high rank that movie, but I know that reasons. this is supposed to be like this revered prestigious film and I'm laughing during it. And I know I'm not supposed to be. So yeah, I don't think it definitely didn't hit the mark for me on the artistry of 
what they're trying to do. <laughs> I, I hear you say that, and like part of me feels disappointed, but at the same time, I feel that's probably the way most people would be watching it now. Yeah, people yeah. people watch movies wrong. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I would say this. Um, Zoe wanted to watch Cats this week, and <laughs> dude, you know, as much as me and Paul like cats, we might like cats for different reasonings. Um, cause it is a tough watch considering like the first six songs are like, I'm going to introduce this character. And that's like, we, yeah, it's like we spend an hour introducing characters, but bro, by like the fourth song, Zoe said, Hey, are you going to be bad if I don't want to finish this? <laughs> she had enough. <laughs> she was like, they're not doing anything. And I was like, I know. <laughs> You're like, let's just fast forward to Skimble Shanks. So it'll all be okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I like to sit back and just kind of, watch it more of a as a moving art piece than a a movie and maybe that's you know not what everybody would want to do um and you know you got the child acting is kind of odd but you know it's a style of the time it's not very good but i think ryan gosling does an all right job as yeah. a, as a kid i thought he was i right too <laughs> he was i right too taking a break from mickey mouse club Right. Dude, the more I think about this plot, the more I'm like, how silly this plot is. Cause they're trying to get it out of the little girl's stuffed animal. And like, bro, this, this is like baby's day out kind of nonsense right here. Uh, what a, what a plot for sure to bring to somebody and say, Hey, now in 1955, you know, 53, whenever they started, whatever, maybe this kind of a plot is like unheard of, you know, and they're like, holy crap, you know, well, we've never heard of anything like this before. Maybe, you know, I don't know. But, you know, when you watch it in 2023 for the very first time, it's really, really difficult to buy into as a serious film. Can't help you there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> no, I I think about um a lot of the dialogue and stuff like you know the whole reason the father robs is because he's tired of seeing um homeless and sick children and and you know talking about I can't remember when the film is like set if it if it's like it's set the, during the depression yeah that's what I was thinking um that's why that's why the father steals the money at the beginning is because the the depression's on. Yeah. How much money was this? $10,000 in the the 30s. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. And he stole it from a bank, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, even if you can't get behind the movie in in a technical sense, I think the the idea of inequality and homelessness and and suffering children and uh, the faith conversations, the false prophets, the, like Paul said, the empty religious people, um, it, it was really very critical of American culture, and mm-hmm. a lot of that still rings true. I think so. That's yeah. what kind of gives it a timeless feel to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And the the things that the things that Lawton and Cortez are shooting the the way they shoot a lot of this film is absolutely breathtaking. Kind of gothic. Yeah, it it really has that German expressionist feel to it. Mm. A lot of a lot of weird shots like when they when they do like the f- the full shot of like the basement set mm. 
things like that. The the floating heads at the beginning are real <laughs> weird. It's just a weird way to start out a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so much of the shadow, the the way they light this movie is such a beautiful Yeah, it had a cool style to it for sure. It was shot real well done. Just like Zach said, the editing was very noticeable. But I've watched plenty of old films where the editing isn't quite, you know, up to par, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a few years later, we'll get something like Psycho. And you know, I would argue that holds up a lot better as far as uh, the making of a film. But, but you know. Yeah. It's, it's one of those movies that's influential. And if you're not caring about that, maybe it's not for you. Maybe not. But you, or maybe you write love and hate on your hands. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I forgot about that. That is so funny. It's a lasting image. It's a cultural thing. Even if people, you know, hadn't seen it before, um, I'd do the right thing. But you know, I can write Ozzy on my hand, too. Who, who's Ozzy? Osborne, you know, tattooed Ozzy on his hand while he's in prison or in I jail. Know. I don't know. Ozzy who, Osborne. I don't know who yeah. that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great handsome young man in the 70s. <laughs> he, he's never done anything. Who'd he ever beat? Look, I'll say this. I've never seen a picture of Ozzy Osbourne and thought, damn, he was a handsome young man. All right. Well, <laughs> well. I'm in the early Sabbath days. He's not a, not a bad looking guy. I used to have a shrine in my bedroom to him <laughs> with, all, uh, with all the tapes that I'd had. Here's him in 1977. Handsome dude. Yeah. No, that's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. fuck him. <laughs> Uh, all right anybody else got any more notes on night of the hunter poor charles lawton didn't direct anything else because people are so mean uh apparently according to him that's not the truth oh good he he like i said he's a theater guy yeah and he liked to go back to theater he liked the the more improvisational nature of theater and how you can change things on the fly and change things over the run if you need to. And he didn't like the, the very stuck in its way feeling of directing a film. Okay. Once, once you put something on film, you can't, you can't go back and change it without spending tons and tons of money. Just ask the rock. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, he did witness of the prosecution after this. I mean, he didn't direct it, but he was in it. So it wasn't like he was ruined and that's right. That's such a good movie. Oh, and his performance in that is mm. Mm. our gay icon. I love him so much. Mm-hmm. All righty then. Right All on. right. Well, let's get on to some worsty judgment. All right. Uh, Trav. Yep, yep. Where's this sitting on your Charles Lawton ranking? <laughs> <laughs> I have this sitting at dead last. Um, it's probably his worst film that he's directed um hopefully as we go down the line we'll be able to get some better performances from him but uh i ranked this two stars um yeah i just i guess i just don't watch it with those goggles on those 1955 goggles on and the spectacles yeah you know it, it's it's hard to suspend my disbelief as much as i have to mm. to appreciate the film yeah like y'all do. yeah i saw that in your instagram stories and sometimes i actually like i physically hold my hand over the bottom half of your instagram story so i don't <laughs> see the stars but i forgot to and i saw it i was like oh oh two well, stars and, 
But I fully understand that I'm of the minority here. That, you know, clearly that if if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, Letterbox, and all the ratings that it gets, I'm of the lesser opinion. So, you know. That's because you're a young buck. I can understand that. You're baby. <laughs> I'm the baby. Zach, where's it sitting on your Charles Lawton rankings? Number one. And last. Uh, but if we're... I do have the list of the overall rankings of stuff we've done on Acting Direct. Okay. I, I don't know if people are keeping that list as well or if they're all in the Oh, no, they're keeping it. Yeah. So I've actually got it at number three. I gave it four and a half stars. Um, so I've got it behind One Night in Miami and Good Night and Good Luck. So it's my number three overall, my number one Charles Lawton. I think, uh, like I said, it's a flawed masterpiece. The technical issues do kind of – if like if I could go in and just clean up the editing myself – then I'd be like, yes, perfect. Um, but yeah, I really do sit down with it. And <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't believe they did that in 1955. If somebody's sitting next to me watching this, they'd be like, shut up. Anyway, Never. There I am. Never would they be like that. Maybe. They might tickle me. All right, Mr. Workman, where you got it? Uh, well, I gave this five stars. And I gave it a little heart on Letterbox Because <laughs> this is a flawless masterpiece. It is beautiful and wonderful and uh it's uh dead last on my charles on list Ooh, brutal yeah uh, i had to do it to him just doing masterpieces to do it to dead last that's right he, he he he's he's got to do better than this got later to. on in his career and now uh no this film rules and uh, if I were ranking all the acting direct, it would be my number one. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I love Good Light and Good Luck, and I love One Night Miami, but this film rules. This it's film, so this film fucking rules. good. <laughs> Look, Patrick Willems, YouTuber extraordinaire, put his, his review on this, five stars in a heart, and said, what a goddamn movie. <laughs> I think I could say it rules. What about Bruce Rules? What Bruce Rules? Uh, Dr. Steve Brule, would he rank it? I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Dr. Steve Brule? Yeah. Is, uh, is he, I, what's his face from I, uh, the I'm James Winger show? I'm not being coy. No, no that's Steve. It, that's Steve. Di- no. Steve Wilkos. Wilkos. Did he become I, a no, doctor, though? Dr. Steve, Dr. Steve Brule is John C. Riley's character on Tim and Eric. Oh, and then it got know. its own spinoff oh, show. That's, that's why. I hate Tim and Eric. Yeah. Oh, that is a shame. <laughs> It now Tim is, and Eric is an actual masterpiece. It is uh, garbage. <laughs> Look, when Totino's calls you up and say we need you to make us a hot and fresh commercial, that's when you know you've made it. You made it, sir. I can do Tim and Eric in small doses. Ooh. Look, I had a lot of chicken and potatoes and cheese for dinner, and I need to go to the bathroom and take a Tim and Eric. It's about <laughs> oh. the best I can do. Okay. <laughs> oh shit! I was gonna say something that I forgot. Go ahead. I'm done. That's it. That's it. Wrap up. I guess. Uh, so uh, I guess we're wrapping up Charles Lawton now. Uh, <laughs> he Bye, Charles. Got, got his one and done. Said he was done with the movies. Hit it and quit it. He's out. Hit right. He hit it and quit it. That's right. Direct one <laughs> perfect film and leave. <laughs> He's Back. the Sex Pistols. That's right. Uh, That's right. <laughs> I remember exactly. what I was going to say before you asked me. Every okay. time you say Patrick Willems, I clearly know who he is, but I always think Mo Willems, the uh, the writer who did like "Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus." And, oh, okay. all right, right. That's me. Street. Don't let the pigeon drive the bus. Yes. 
Yeah, you know somebody tell that to uh, Michael Bay. <laughs> don't let don't let the pigeon fly into some lady's face. Is more like it. Okay. All right. All right. Zach, since we're done with Charles Lawton, we're moving on. So where are we going next week? Who who are we covering? Mm, we got a sexy pick. We got our heads together. We looked at our list and we said, you know what? You know who's a great actor who's got some good films, but some might need to watch. Denzel Washington. Ooh, two-time Academy Award winner. Mr. Mm. Mr. Mr. Washington. And what has he got up first on our docket? Antoine Fisher, which you can rent on Amazon, Google, Redbox, Voodoo, or YouTube. And remember, as soon as you finish watching the Antoine Fisher movie, you need to watch the Dave Chappelle show sketch about Antoine Fisher. That shit's Ooh. hilarious. Okay. Not that I should really be plugging Dave Chappelle. These it's, it's hard. Such a... Chappelle show is such a staple. Indeed. All right. Well, that being said, Trav, let people know where they can find you in the media's social. Of course. I'm on the Instagram at ZK Audio. I'm on the Twitter and TikToks at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-C-K, where I'm also on the letterbox ranking and rating my daily movie watches. And I don't think I saw anything new. I lied. I saw Puss in Boots. Oh, ah. the last wish. And Paul How'd talked you... about how great that movie was briefly. Yep. And I'll just mention it briefly. It was, it had no business being as incredible as it was. None whatsoever. And I've literally heard everybody say the same thing on Facebook, yeah. on Twitter. And the first one's really good. And this one's way better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, the first one's like, it's good. This one's like fucking fantastic. Like yeah, it's so good. It, nice. It's yeah, it's incredible. All right, Zach, how about you? Yeah. Find me on Critiker, Zach Master, X-A-K-K, M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterboxd by searching my name, Mr. Workman. Uh you can follow me at Shark Dressman on Letterbox. Not Letterbox. I'm looking at my Letterbox page ha! right now. On the uh, TikTok. Man, <laughs> I got to stop recording these so late. Um, TikTok, where Joseph Tappy and I are covering all sorts of shark related content and scoozing it up. Scooze! Excuse me, Danny. <laughs> and you can follow me at Father of the Fear across the platforms of uh, Twitter and Letterboxd, where I keep running tally of all the films that I watched. And today I watched the new Hulu original, The Drop. Oh, yeah. Drop. That's on my list. Have do you know what it's about? No idea. Do mm, not do drop. not look up do not look up the plot of this movie before you watch it. Sounds good. Because <laughs> I I didn't I knew nothing about this. I I had three movies that I was like, oh, three movies came out today on three different streaming platforms. So I texted Joe and I was like, hey, which one am I watching? And he looked up the drop and he looked up the wrong movie called The Drop, and the version he looked up apparently has James Gandolfini in it. He was like, watch that one. So I started watching it. I was like, James Gandolfini's not in this. (laughs) (laughs) And then Uh, the plot started, and I was like, this is fucking wild. Uh, I'm going to guess it's about a baby elephant being born. That's a good guess. Could be. The the storks are back in town. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Yes, don't look up the plot to this movie. Just watch it. Oh, okay. Okay. That, and I know tech, that 
I was going to say, I know that shitty Rob Lowe dog movie dropped on Netflix today, I believe. That was one of the three I was going to watch. Yeah, what's it called? And I'm going to watch it, but I know it's going to be complete dog shit, all puns intended, Paul. Because why? Always intend your puns. Always intend your puns. your puns. That's right. Uh, And then Sick dropped on uh, Peacock. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I was kind of the most interested in watching that one, but I'm really glad that Joe picked this one on accident for me to watch. Thank you for fucking up, Joe. Because happy accident. Holy shit! I'm telling you, once you once you realize what the plot of this movie is about, it's it's going to. <laughs> I can't even. Okay, I gotta stop talking about it. Okay, all right. Uh, that being said, I think the movie's fine. I laughed a lot at it. <laughs> kind of like I did with Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do we do now? Uh, thank you. Thank Trav. you, Trav. We thank Trav. For... Thanks, Trav. Giving Night of the Hunter five stars on Letterboxd <laughs> and producing the show. Uh, <laughs> we also thank uh, Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song and Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Oscars Pod and Facebook the Oscars Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a nice five star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the all mighty algorithm. Five stars, like five floating children head in the sky. Give them five, because children, they abide, and children, they endure. Hit him with the drop. <laughs> so, for Trav and Zach and Robert Mitchell, I barely know one. We'd like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>